0: We in Psalm 1 tonight. Somebody requested Psalm 1. Sorry about that. The microphone dropped out. Somebody requested Psalm 1. It was already on my list anyway. And so tonight we're going to be reading and studying from Psalm 1. Follow along with me. I'm going to read these six verses. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Last week, as we began our Sunday night series on the book of Psalms, uh, Psalms, the summer of Psalms, uh, I told you an overview or gave you a little bit of an overview of the book of Psalms. Uh, Some of the ways that the Psalms are divided up, some of the things about the Psalms that I thought would be interesting to you. But amidst the things that I said last week, I told you that Psalms 1 was the doorway, it is the entranceway into into the sanctuary of God, the sanctuary being the other Psalms, the rest of the Psalms, the other 149 Psalms. In other words, you have to go through Psalm 1 to move into the sanctuary. When I say a sanctuary, I'm not talking about a building like this. We sometimes call this a sanctuary. This is really, you are the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he lives in you. This is a building where we gather together to meet with one another. And we're thankful to have this facility. Don't misunderstand me. But when I talk about the sanctuary, I'm thinking more like the Holy of Holies. I'm thinking more like uh, that inner sanctum where God descended and he met with his people and his people met with God in that holy place. I'm, I'm thinking about the, the bush uh, where uh, Moses heard the voice of God calling out to him, and God said to Moses, "'Take off your shoes, "'because the ground you're own is holy ground.'" And he took off his shoes, and he had a meeting with God. When we go into the book of Psalms, when you go through the book of Psalms, you're going into a sanctuary, like a holy of holies, where you meet God. You meet God again and again and again. God meets with you, and you meet with God, but you cannot get into that sanctuary without going through uh, Psalm 1. Psalm 1 is the doorway into that sanctuary. And what it does, Psalm 1, is it presents two different paths of life. Uh, there is the way of the righteous and there is the way of the ungodly. The way of the righteous and the way of the ungodly. And we're pretty familiar with that kind of thinking. Um, because you come to the New Testament, what does Jesus say? There's a narrow way and there's a broad way, right? A narrow way and a broad way. So we're pretty used to that kind of, of, of thinking Uh, Related to uh, two ways, and you choose one or the other, and that's what the psalmist is doing. But I want you to notice as you look at this psalm with me tonight that most of this psalm deals with the way of righteousness. Uh, Actually, more than 75 words from verses 1 to 3 are about the way of the righteous. Just a little bit more than 30, I think 32 words are in verses 4 and 5 about the way of the ungodly. And then in verse 6, it gives us a contrast. He watches over one, the other is going to perish. But if you're looking at the characteristics, you're looking at what it means to be a person on the way of righteousness or to be a person on the way of ungodliness, what you see is, is that the Lord gives a whole lot more attention to the way of the righteous than he does to the way of of the ungodly. He he spends a whole lot more time talking to us about the way of the righteous than he does about the way of the ungodly. And I I want you to just pay attention to that because ultimately we choose which path we're on. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we go through the narrow gate and we're on the way of righteousness. Uh, If we reject the Lord Jesus Christ, we go through the broad gate and we're on the way of the ungodly that leads to, to perishing. But that's the contrast that's going on here. And if you go through the narrow gate and you go on the way of the righteous, you're led into a sanctuary where you meet with God and God meets with you and you hear God speaking to you. I don't mean audibly, but you hear God speaking to you from his word, uh, talking to you and guiding you and leading you in life. Now, the things that I want to point out to you from, from Psalm 1 mostly, almost almost exclusively, come from the first three verses. I mean, after all, if he spent more time on the, on the godly than the ungodly, then we ought to spend more time on the godly than the ungodly, right? Right, that's what we ought to do. So we're going to spend more time on these first three verses than we are on verses 4 and 5. And we start with the very first word. Where have we heard the word blessed before? <laughs> Yeah, for the last eight weeks, uh, blessed, uh, you know, blessed and blessed. It was over and over again, and the idea is the same in the Old Testament. We're not necessarily talking about monetary blessing in the sense of I'm going to get rich and I'm going to get a house and all my uh, you know, physical woes are going to go away. He's talking about the life of God flowing into us and flowing through us and sustaining us and helping us. This is the man who is blessed, and that's what we need, isn't it? We need God's power, God's presence, God's work in us and through us to sustain us and to help us. That is the blessed life. You may never have anything in this world as far as monetary things are concerned. You may never have a fancy house. Uh, You may never drive an expensive car. Well, if they go all electric, you will. Uh, You may never drive an expensive car. But the fact of the matter is, if you know the Lord and you are on the righteous way, uh, you're you're moving in these first three verses, then the result is you are a blessed person. You have something that people that are on the way of the unrighteous, they don't have it. They don't have the presence of God in the same way. They don't have the peace of God. Uh, They don't have uh, God's pleasure over their lives. It's just not present in their lives. And so we are blessed But I want you to notice carefully some things tonight that are gonna be a little bit, um, gonna require you to use your heads and think carefully with me. Because I I don't want, I've I've read Psalm 1 so many times over the course of my life, and I've had more fun in the past week and a half studying Psalm 1, just going back through it and and seeing things that sometimes you miss. And I wanna bring out some of the things that sometimes we miss. We want the blessed life, no question. We want the power, the presence of God coming to us and working in us and working through us. We want that kind of a life where we're sustained by the Lord, where we know he's with us and he's helping us. We want that kind of a life. We want that kind of a blessed life. But I want you to notice he says, blessed is the man, the man. Do you notice that it's singular? It's singular, not the men. Blessed is the man, singular. But here's what's interesting. When you get down to, uh, a little bit further, he says, "...who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly." Ungodly is plural. "...nor stands in the path of sinners." Sinners is plural. "...nor sits in the seat of the scornful." The word scornful is plural. In other words, the man is going to have to come against and go opposite of the crowd." Uh, Every one of these, uh, the ungodly, the sinners, the scornful, they're all plural, and they each indicate a group in and of themselves. There's a group of the scornful, there's a group of the sinful, uh, there's a group of the ungodly, but these groups all come together, and the man is going to have to come against and go against the crowd in order to walk on the pathway of righteousness. Now, that's really important, isn't it? Uh, I'm grateful for the church. I'm grateful for the body of Christ. I'm grateful that we gather together. Uh, We're supposed to be gathering every uh, Lord's Day and other opportunities. He says, as often as you meet together, as you see the day approaching, we're supposed to be meeting together. And what does the meeting together do? It encourages us. We hear the preaching and the teaching of the word. We sing songs of, of praise to God. We We worship and we pray and we encourage one another. We fellowship and we help each other because in the world in which we live, the ungodly are plural. And we have to go through that entranceway by ourselves. And it means going against the tide, against the way everybody else is going. And I can't go there for you. You have to go there individually against that tide. And consequently, you and I need each other. When we gather on the Lord's Day, we need those gatherings. Thank you. <laughs> we need those gatherings because they become a strength for us to keep pressing on. Because when you walk outside of those doors, it's going to be you against the plural number of people who are going the opposite direction to you. Um, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the plural ungodly, the plural sinners, and the plural scornful. There's going to be more of them than there are of you. There's going to be more opposition that's coming from them, and it may be you and you alone. And when you come to church, you get the opportunity to be able to have other encouragement that enables us Uh, to strengthen one another along this journey but the fact of the matter is you have to go through this gate on your own you can't I can't get saved for you right you have to trust in the Lord Jesus for yourself I can't walk this journey for you on the way of righteousness you have to walk this journey on the way of righteousness with the help of the Lord but you have to walk that journey alone we get encouragement for others but I can't walk it for you you have to walk that journey You know That's really, really important. It goes with what I was saying this morning, that we have to be prepared. We we have to be prepared. And being prepared means understanding that there's a whole lot more of them than there are of us. There's a whole lot more that oppose Christ than there are who follow Christ. There's a whole lot more opposition that is coming towards you than there are people who are seeking to obey Christ and follow Christ. So he says, blessed is the man... That individual, each individual who walks, not according to this plural ungodly, the plural sinners, in the plural scornful. Um, You have to walk this path alone. That means you have to make a choice. You have to make a decision, right? You have to make a choice. You have to make a decision that you're going to walk on this path. And here's the, 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 the difficult thing for me. how how few people who say they know Christ make the choice to walk in obedience to Christ and to walk on the way of righteousness. It's always easier to go with the flow of the crowd than it is to stand against the flow, to go against the flow of the crowd. It's always easier to blend in with the crowd than it is to stand out as a follower of Jesus Christ. And yet the psalmist says, if you want to go into the sanctuary where you meet with God and you have these, these experiences with God where you know you're in his presence and he's speaking to your heart and you're speaking to the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, then you individually have to make that decision that in spite of all of those that will oppose you, I'm going through and I'm going down this path. I'm going to walk along this path. Now, I want you to notice what he says again in verse 1 blessed. That's the person who experiences the power and the presence of God flowing into them and working in them and flowing through them and out to others. Blessed is the man, the individual. And then he goes on to say, who walks not, circle the word not, in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of, uh, in the path of, of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful it's unfortunate the translation here because really what the psalmist is doing for us three times he uses the word not you're not to walk according to the counsel of the ungodly you're not to stand in the path of sinners and you're not to sit in the seat of the scornful are y'all with me you're not to do that i want to make a second point tonight Number one point is that each of us has to make the choice that we're going to walk this path against the odds of people that are against us, against the numbers of people that that won't be on the path with us, that'll be doing everything they can to hinder us. We individually have to make that decision. Lord, I want to walk on this path. I want to walk on this path that leads to the sanctuary where I meet with you and you meet with me. But the second thing I want you to notice is that He describes the Christian life here as the things that we do not do. Now, I grew up in a generation where there's a lot of legalism and I understand the reaction to legalism is to... Let the pendulum swing clear to the other side by legalism. I mean, you define everything for everybody, what they can and can't do, every little thing. you know, you got to check it off and do it all. You get all these legalistic rules and standards that supposedly are based on Scripture, but there is no real Scripture to support them. It's just a matter of you know, our opinion of what this Scripture means and how it ought to be applied. I grew up through that. But the reaction has been for the pendulum to go to the other extreme. And now all we do is tell people the things that are positive, Let's just make sure we say everything positive. Life is good. If you're looking outside, it's not cloudy. The sun's out there. You just don't see it. It's out there. It's out there. Don't look at the weeds. Look at the flowers. Don't look at anything negative. And uh, people love that. People love that kind of teaching. They love that kind of preaching because it feeds into their egos. You're telling me what I want to hear. You're telling me what I like to hear. You're telling me what makes me feel comfortable to hear. But the reality is this. If we're not telling people what the Scripture says that we're not supposed to be doing, we're not preaching the whole counsel of God. We have to be willing to say the negatives as well as the positives. Now, if you spend all your time on the negatives, you forget, I'm a child of God. I'm indwelt by the Spirit of God. I've been given the Word of God. I have a home with God in heaven. I'm the possessor of eternal life. Uh, I'm sealed by the, the Spirit of God. I, I, I'm adopted into his family. I'm one of his sons. And all of these blessings that are I, ours, but if that's all you tell people, you're not telling the whole counsel of God. There are things that people are not supposed to do. I don't want to ever be the negative Nellie. I don't think I can be a Nelly, can I? I'll be the negative Nathan. He's back there on the back pew. (laughs) I, I don't ever want to be the negative Nelly, where it's always you know you're always you're always banging on something, always hitting something, always preaching against something, always mad about something. But look, the Christian life is about what we do and who we are and what we don't do. Now you cannot do some things and not be Christian. But you can't be Christian in the way that Christ defines it and not, not do some things. (laughs) Did I get the double negative fixed there for you? All the English teachers, their minds are, that's a double negative. I understand, but I'm trying to explain it. There are some things that we just cannot do, and we should expect. Uh, we should expect our preacher not to get up and give uh, flowery messages that make us always feel good about everything in life and everything's turning up roses and all things are good. Have you ever touched a rose bush? I'll tell you what, you get, stung, you, get, you, get uh, you get pricked if you do, right? I mean, those roses are beautiful to look at until you go have to go buy them at the store and you pay these exorbitant prices, you know. If we can just get gasoline to get the church, that's the biggest thing right now. Forget the roses; just get the gasoline to get the church. I mean, everything has you know negatives to it, and and I thought it was interesting. Because I've been told over and over, said, don't be negative, don't be negative, always be positive, always be positive, don't be negative. Every pastor's conference, not every pastor's conference, but some pastor's conferences you go to, be, be positive, be positive, build up people, build up people. Well, the psalmist begins by saying, if you want to go into the sanctuary, you're going to have to go in there alone. You're going to have to make the choice to get on the pathway of righteousness. and You're going to have to walk on that pathway. And these are the things, if you're going to walk on that pathway, you don't do. Before he gets to anything you do, he says, these are the things you don't do. There's some things you don't do. What are those? Who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor not, is the word, stands in the path of sinners, nor, meaning not, sits in the seat of the scornful. These are the things, if you want to walk on this path of righteousness. By the way, by the way, do you realize that in verse 1, we haven't been told who this man is yet? If you didn't have the rest of the verses and we had not already read them and you had not already memorized them, you would not yet know, other than by assumption, that the man we're talking about is the righteous man. You don't find the word righteous until you get all the way down to verse 5 and again in verse 6. That's when he identifies. The man I'm talking about is the righteous man. And the righteous man has to make his own decision to go against the crowd, to go on this pathway that leads into the sanctuary of God. And there's some things that if he's going to be on that path, he cannot do before he ever says what he's supposed to do. You cannot do these things. You can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, a lot of scholars look at those three and they say, well, those are really all parallel and he's just talking about totality in, in every aspect of your life, walking, standing, or sitting. But in my estimation, I think the psalmist is trying to give us uh, some progression that's taking place. It's not just a, a, you know, three parallel statements that are, are, are general about life overall, but he, he's showing us A third thing that we're going to see tonight is that there is a progression that takes place if you don't stand against, you don't walk against the tide. If you go along with them, this is what happens to you. This is where you end up. And he begins by saying you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And then he moves to the path of sinners. And then before you know it, you're in the seat of the scornful. Do you see what he's doing here? The progression suggests an increasingly comfortable association with evil. An increasingly comfortable association with evil. Think of your eyes. When you sit down in a room and you've been outside, and you walk into a relatively dark room, maybe not totally dark, but relatively dark room, it seems like the room is completely dark. But what happens as you're inside that room for a period of time? What happens? The pupils of your eyes begin to adjust They begin to open up and let more light come in from the room where you are. And suddenly the room begins to get uh, more lit up for you. Do you know what happens with evil? Uh, We we get used to it. We we become adjusted to it. Uh, We we soon don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, We soon think that it's okay, it's it's acceptable, and it's all right. Before you know it, uh, we're affirming it. Uh, We're going along with it. Do you understand that this this progression denotes activity that becomes a state of being? It starts with activity, the counsel of the ungodly, that becomes a state of being. You're standing in the pathway of sinners. That becomes a whole lifestyle. You're seated in the seats of the scornful. There's a progression that goes on. Can I just tell you that if we don't give attention to our spiritual lives, there'll be a progression but it won't be an upwardly moving progression. It'll be a downwardly moving progression. You are never standing still in your spiritual life. You are either going forward or you are going backwards. But you are never standing still. In your spiritual life. And there is a progression that's taking place. Yes, these three phrases about standing and, and our walking and standing and sitting. Yes, those three phrases speak of the totality of the involvement of a person's life, but they indicate to me a progression is taking place. They're walking. Now they're no longer walking. Now they're standing. Now they're no longer standing. What are they doing? They're sitting, they're sitting, they've become one of them. Um, the wrong advice becomes the wrong way that becomes the wrong kind of person. Let me say it to you again. By the way, my Bible in Psalms, it looks like I've scarred my Bible. Please forgive me if you look at my Bible. Taking the wrong advice becomes acting in the wrong way that becomes The wrong kind of person, being the wrong kind of person. Do you see the progression? And that's what's happening here. An individual whom the Lord has gotten a hold of their hearts makes a decision I want to walk against the crowd, I don't want to go the way of the crowd. I'm going to walk on the pathway of righteousness, though we're not told this is the pathway of righteousness till you get to the end of the psalm, but we can figure it out pretty well. We walk on the pathway of righteousness, and he says to us that if you're going to walk on that pathway, there's some things you can't do. You can't listen to the wrong counsel. You don't stop and start participating in the way of life with them because if you do, you'll end up sitting as one of them. Um, I read an article yesterday or the day before yesterday about a Lutheran minister who is going to begin solemnizing marriages, supposed marriages, they aren't marriages, between, uh, 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 what do you call it when you're transitioning? Uh, uh, Transgenders, thank you. Transgenders. Now I, I never have. I can't understand why you—you are a man who becomes a woman, so you can marry a woman who was a man. Um, <laughs> do, do you hear that? You—you you were a man that becomes a woman, so that you can marry a man that used to be a woman. I mean, it, it makes no sense to me. But the Lutheran pastor. Is about to solemnize supposedly what they call, it's not a marriage, but what they call a marriage between uh, these two people. It's, we have the entire denominations that have listened to the counsel of the ungodly. They started standing in the path of sinners. Before they knew it, they were sitting in the seat of the scornful. And They look at us and they say, you still believe that old-fashioned morality that is as old as the Bible. You still think that's appropriate today? Absolutely, it's appropriate today. Absolutely, it's appropriate today. But what happens? Uh, Well, in addition to the fact that they don't believe the Bible is the inspired and errant word of God and consequently don't preach it that way, you can sort of make it say what you want to say, leave out what you want to leave out, put in what you don't want to put in and sort of move along in life. They've listened to the counsel of some seminary somewhere that said this is okay to do it that way before they knew it they were they were standing with these people and they were involving themselves in their actions and their activities until they sat down and began to promulgate it with everybody else it's happening all the time <clears throat> do you know how it scares me the most for it scares me the most for our children <clears throat> i watch hgtv cuz there's not a whole lot else to watch unless you watch a news channel and i can't take a news channel cuz i can't very long cuz i can't sleep Afterwards, are y'all that way? The news channel just eats me to, eats me alive. But <clears throat> our children are what worry me. And here's what I mean by that. I, I don't mean sinfully worry. I mean, is there a, is there a righteous worry? Well, that's what I got. Uh, they're watching on HGTV, for instance. Love is love. Love uh, has you know no uh, you know differences and they're seeing all these messages coming at them all the time they're listening to the counsel of the ungodly then you start hearing the young people talk about you know if they love each other why shouldn't they have a right to be together now they're standing in the way of sinners and before you know it what are they doing now they're sitting as a professor in a, in a seminary or a university somewhere and they're saying you know what this is okay go do it and they've moved progressively along this pathway you understand that the homosexual community intends to force you to accept their way of life. And you will have no option. You'll lose your jobs. You'll lose your incomes. You'll lose your pr- promotions. You'll lose, you'll lose, you'll lose. You will accept and approve, not just accept, you will approve of our lifestyle or we'll have you. It takes a, a man or a woman to make a decision that they want to walk on the path of righteousness against the ungodly, the sinners, and the scornful that are all coming at you in groups, standing against you in groups. It takes a person to make that decision. I'm going to walk on this path, and there are some things I will not do. I will not. Accept the counsel of the ungodly, the path of, uh, stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. I will not let the progression begin or move forward. I will not do those things. Can I just say to you, p- p- please hear me, as a, as a pastor who, who sees people, any one of the pastors in this room can say the same thing. Whatever shapes a mind Whatever shapes a man's thinking or a woman's thinking shapes his or her life. Whatever shapes a man or a woman's thinking shapes his or her life. But we have to be careful what's going in. We have to prepare. Be prepared. We have to be prepared. Our children have to be prepared. You remember when your daddy or your mother had the birds and the bees conversation with you? Well, obviously your birds and bees are dead at your place because you you don't remember, right? You remember that conversation? You remember how awkward it was? I remember as clear as day. I was in my baseball uniform. I must have been what? I played five years of little league baseball. Was never very good at it, but I played five years. And we were on the way to a ball game, and Dad said, "I want to talk to you about something." Oh, while we're driving to the baseball field, he's talking to me about, and he's telling me about. Uh, boys that don't act like boys and girls that don't act like girls i didn't want to play baseball Do you know what our kids are put in a position where they see this all the time all the time all the time if they have somebody that is different than they are they should always treat them with the love of Christ. They should always be kind. They should always be considerate. They should never be mean-spirited, right? You live in love like Jesus. But they should understand that there are things that are right and there's things that are wrong. There are things that you do and there are things that you, you don't do. You don't do them. And so this is a man, individual, meaning a man, meaning it could be a man or a woman, but an individual who's going against the crowd, who chooses to walk on this pathway of righteousness that takes them to this sanctuary where they meet with God. And in the process, there are some things that they cannot do. They can't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They can't stand in the path of sinners, and they can't sit in the seat of the scornful. Before he ever says anything positive, he says, this is what you can't do. Get over it. Not every sermon can be positive. Not everybody can preach like Joel Osteen every Sunday. (laughs) Where everything is positive and no sin is ever mentioned and nothing you're never supposed to, to do is ever talked about. You can't do that and follow the instruction of the Word of God. You can't do that in Psalm 1. A fourth thing that I want you to see begins in verse 2. He says, but, here's, here's the adversative. Instead of walking in the counsel of the ungodly and standing in the path of sinners or sitting in the seat of the scornful and this progression taking you ever further away from the pathway you should be on, and further away from the Lord himself, and further away from righteousness, he says, but, here, here's the adversative. The opposite of this is what we need, his delight is in the law of the Lord. I love that. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Can I tell you one of my greatest burdens? I think all of our staff feels the same way. Is the lack of love of too many Christians for the Word of God and the teaching of the Word of God. We've decided that we need to dumb it down as far as we can dumb it down. We need to cut out what is offensive and might cause somebody to be upset. That we'll always say yes to everything and never preach no to anything. And if you don't entertain me when you come, something that gets me there, I'm not coming to hear why I'm there, which is ultimately to hear the word of God. Are you with me? You're ultimately here. Do you know what drives this church? It's the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. That's what drives this church. As long as I'm pastor, I'm, I'm 46. And as long as I'm pastor, that's what's going to drive this church. That's what's going to be at the heart of this ministry. Uh, we may do some innovative things. We've may do. we done a lot of innovative things over the years and different kinds of things, but all of that is ancillary. What is at the heart of what we do is what we're doing right now. We're opening up the Bible. We're reading what it has to say. We're coming to understand its meaning and how it applies to our lives so that we can go out of this place and we can put it into practice every single day. Amen? That's, that's why we're here. I want you to listen to what Hosea says. Hosea is an interesting book. There's a conversation going on between Hosea and God. It's going back and forth like this. But Hosea says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Why are our people being destroyed by the evils of sin and unrighteousness? Because they don't know the word. They have no sense of discernment about what is right and what is wrong. Or how to respond. Or to respond the desire to learn how to respond. I'm happy to come and you entertain me and make me feel good, but don't challenge me. Don't challenge me to think beyond where I want to think. And when you stop thinking, you're in big trouble. It says his delight, his delight. It means exactly what it says. If you ever had an ice cream cone and it was the delight of your life, you know what I mean? Let me tell you about the delight of my life. I'm talking about other than the scripture. It is that Dairy Queen. It is the fudge brownie with ice cream and hot fudge poured over it, warmed up. Not the ice cream, but the brownie and the hot fudge warmed up. And when I put it in my mouth, my whole body feels good. It is, and those of you that are on diets, I apologize. I apologize. I'm not trying to be the tempter tonight. I haven't had one of those in a long while. uh, But it is, it's just, oh, 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 thank you, Lord. This is manna from heaven. That's the way the scripture should be to us. We delight ourselves in the law of the Lord so that when we open it and somebody's teaching from it, that we absolutely love hearing it, and it is the delight of our lives. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in this law, his law, what does he do? He meditates day and night. Now, i got to move along here because I'm running out of time. But, but listen to what he says. You delight in the word, and you think about it again and again and again. The Hebrew word is is an onomatopoetic word, onomatopoetic word. Let me say it again, an onomatopoetic word. Don't you love that word? It means that the word itself sounds like what the meaning of the word is. Uh, The word itself sounds like what the meaning of the word is. So when he says meditate, he's talking about, there's this this groaning within. "Mm." You remember when Mike Holman, Brother Mike, Miss Robbins here tonight. You remember when Mike called me? Mmm, mmm, mm, mmm. And he had all. He, and he was in it. That's meditation. That's what he means. It's onomatopoetic. It's it's the meaning of the word is how the sound. The sound gives you even the meaning of the word. It's that that constant rolling of the word of God over and over in your mind. Mmm, 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 mmm. Y'all think I'm crazy? He meditates in it day and night. Please notice, he doesn't say he has a time picked out. Okay, from one to two, I'm meditating today. That's not what he says. This is something that goes on. They didn't have copies of the Word of God. They didn't. Well, they had copies, but everybody didn't have a copy of the Old Testament. Everybody in the New Testament age didn't have a copy of the New Testament. It was being written. It hadn't all been put together. It's one of the reasons they had to memorize it. It's one of the reasons. It's the primary reason they read it out loud. Everybody didn't have it to take it home. They had to hear it. They had to memorize it so that they could meditate on it, ruminate on it. Turn it over and over. Mm, mm, mm. Like that brownie. Oh. Sometimes it's conviction. A lot of times it's comfort. Sometimes it's guidance. Sometimes it's peace. Mm. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he, he meditates day and night. And I want you to notice He shall be like a tree planted. It isn't something that just falls on its own next to the rivers of water. It is something, it's not accidentally there, it is something that has been planted there. You have to plant your life in the Word. The rivers of water are about the scriptures, the meditation, the delighting in the law of the Lord. That's the rivers of water. And you have to plant your life there. You have to put your roots down right there. If you were to go to Israel, as Mary and I have been, some of you have been, you know that a great portion of Judea is arid. If you see a tree growing, it's standing out there by itself. It's not a place that's friendly to the growing of trees, at least many places, not a place friendly to the growing of trees. But if you get the tree down close to the waters, of, uh, the bodies of water by the way, the rivers of water he's not talking about the rivers that are already there. He's talking about channels that are cut out from the rivers, the channels that go back as irrigation, back to the, to the need. You, you plant yourself next to where the water is. Where's the water? It's the word. You plant yourself in the Word. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Do you hear what he says? The nourishment that all of us need to be a flourishing tree is in the Word of God. Is it any wonder why it burdens us when we don't see people interested in the Word of God? She'll be like a tree that's intentionally, purposefully planted by one of these irrigation channels, one, one of these rivers that's flowing with water. Why? That brings forth its fruit. When you're planted in the Word, you're planted by the water of the Word, you bring forth fruit in its season. By the way, the tree doesn't consume its own fruit. The fruit is for someone else. I have never seen an apple tree eating an apple off the tree. Do you get what I'm saying? Why do we want to be planted in the Word? We don't want to follow the counsel of the ungodly or walk in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. We want to delight in the Word of God. We want to turn it over and over in our minds. We want to, you know... Automatopoetically, we want to turn it over and over in our minds ruminating on it all the time because that means you're being planted by a river that's going to cause you to be a flourishing tree that brings forth its fruit in its season in the fruit that you realize why the world is is hungry because so many of us are fruitless why our trees (laughs) we had our tree cut back because it was getting too big and cut all the, the extra limbs off, and it looks so barren. Have you seen trees like that where they've trimmed them back? And it, nobody in here offered to come help me do that. I'd have taken it if you'd offered. Cut it back, and, the, and and now it's starting to grow back out. But the point is, it looks so barren. A lot of our lives look barren, like those trees that have been cut back. Like there's never. Mary told me. She said, "You think that's going to come back? Yes, yeah, it's going to come back. It's going to come back." But we look like a barren tree, not producing any fruit. It's no wonder people don't come up and say, hmm, I need some of that. I need some of that. I need some of that. Because there isn't any life flowing in us and flowing through us. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I can't talk to you about this, but I want you to see it. It's invisible. It's happening, and you don't even really know it's happening. It's internal. It's internal. I mean, the water doesn't, I mean, the tree doesn't bend over and say, here, I'm going to take a big drink of water today. It's, it's, it's uh, invisible. It's internal. It imparts life, and it faithfully causes fruit bearing to the tree. That's how important your Bible is. That's how important the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God is. That's how important your life groups are. That's how important your Bible reading is. shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season listen whose leaf also shall not wither I love that you know every winter around here every tree loses every leaf and they're all in my yard is it that way at your house too where I grew up in Georgia you turn around and a lot of trees are green what are they called Well, pine, pine trees that's right pine trees that's right but what is a pine tree it's an evergreen tree you hear what he's saying when you choose to go against the crowd and to be on the path of righteousness to go against what everybody else is doing you make that choice to do that and you refuse to walk in the counsel of the ungodly or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful you refuse to do that but you're planted instead by the waters of the word intentionally purposefully planted by the water of the word your life becomes a flourishing body that produces fruit that others can take from you what they need they can be blessed by you that's what i mean they can be blessed by you and your leaf doesn't wither you become an evergreen now i like the colors in the i've been here 40 years i like the colors in the fall But I don't like the barrenness that comes after, right? And a lot of us are like a barren tree because we're not, we have not intentionally planted by the rivers of water his word. And our our lives are not producing uh, either the fruit or the leaves that it's supposed to produce, whose leaf also shall not wither. You'll be an evergreen in whatever, whatever he does. Shall prosper. That's not, that's, this is not a prosperity gospel. We're not talking about that. Spiritually prospering. Whatever he does shall prosper. So, who, who do you want to be? Do you want to be the ungodly? You want to be the sinners? You want to be the scornful? You want to have this entire group coming against you and become one of them? Or do you want to say, I, I want to be different than that? I want to be planted by the rivers of water so that I can be an evergreen tree that brings forth fruit and that blesses other people in their lives. Notice verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows. He knows. It's the word that's used for the relationship of a husband and a wife. There's an intimacy. That's not a good word for men, but you you understand what I'm, I'm saying. There's an intimacy that exists between God and you and you and God when you're in his word.